But the deepest point overall on earth is at a point on the ocean floor in the Western Pacific Ocean, a place called Challenger Deep. It's located in this Mariana Trench, and its deepest known point, as best that they can tell, is around 36,000 feet deep, or 6.825 miles. And the pressure exerted at that depth in the ocean is 8 tons, or 16,000 pounds per inch. You know, in our text today from Ephesians, Paul takes us to the lowest point that we can go, to the death valley of our souls, where, where the pressure of our sins far exceeds anything exerted at Challenger Deep. It's a point in life where we are separated from God and spiritually dead. That's where our text begins today, but it doesn't leave us there because then it takes us to the highest heights that we can go, and that's living in God's grace takes us from death to life, all in 10 verses of Ephesians this morning. So our journey takes us to the to depths to the heights, and it's a journey from the depths of sin to the heights of God that we can all make. From death to life, but then on to our mission in life. And before we dive into the scripture today, I mean, just kind of review where we've been in Ephesians, going through this series entitled Masterpiece in Progress. If you remember back a couple weeks ago, we, we began this series in chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul, the author of this letter to the church at Ephesus, he begins with this explosion of praise in chapter 1. He praises, you know, God for the blessings that he gives towards us as believers, why? Because we've been chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then last week when Adam was preaching, he talked about Paul's prayer in the second half of chapter 1. And how that we are empowered to know the hope that we have, which God called us to. The riches that we have in His glorious inheritance, and the power that God shares with us. So today we come to chapter 2 in Ephesians. So if you have your Bible or your app, let me encourage you to open up to, to that chapter. And chapter 2 gives us this beautiful picture of what it means to be restored to God. And really it, re it records the journey that we take towards reconciliation with our Maker. It starts from what life is like apart from Christ. It tells us what, what happens with Christ. And then it tells us who we are and what we do in our life living for Christ. So before we dive into that, let me pause a moment and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for uh, the, the message of Ephesians to us here today. So, Lord, as we look at the Scripture, as, as we look at what it teaches to us today, may our hearts be open to you. May our lives be changed by the power of your Word and the Holy Spirit working within us. And may it be for all, all for your glory. We pray in your name. Amen. So, we begin at that place of depth, deep down, and that the, the Apostle Paul describes as death, where we are spiritually separated apart from Christ. So it really begins with a really honest evaluation of our life before Jesus. So it begins in verse 1. As for you, 
you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, and like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. These first few verses are just a picture of sin's work against us and sin's work on us. And it gives us this picture of living in the death valley of our souls. It's a picture of, of a person without Christ or before Christ. It's kind of like that, that ever-present selfie on Facebook and Instagram of, of the person with the full-length picture of them in the mirror, you know, to see how they're looking, what they're wearing, or the progress they're making in their workout. It's this full-length image here in Ephesians of who we are and what we look like apart from Jesus. It's a spiritual picture. And Paul notes the characteristics of those that find themselves in that position. So if you were to zoom in on that picture, you would notice a few things about that person. One, that the person is dead. Now, to quote Miracle Max in the movie The Princess Bride, he's not mostly dead, but totally dead. Now, in, in the Bible, death basically means separation. Not only separate, not not only separation physically from the spirit from the body, but also spiritually, where our spirit is separated from God. In fact, in the book of Romans in chapter 6, it tells us that the wages of sin is death. What we get when sin is a part of our lives is that separation from God. Now, now you might be walking and breathing and eating, but spiritually dead. So zooming in, in on that picture shows us that we are spiritually dead, but also it reveals to us just our disobedient nature when we are separated from God, disobedient to the will of God. And so instead of following the teachings of Scripture, instead of following the teachings of Jesus, we follow three evil forces, it tells us. The world, the ruler of the kingdom of air, which is Satan, and our own sinful desires. And Paul calls these the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So when we find ourselves in that place, if we were to zoom in on ourselves in that picture, apart from Christ, it tells us in verse 3 that we are deserving of wrath. You know, it's not looking good in our lives apart from Jesus. Other versions of, of the Bible, other translations say in verse 3 that we are sons of, of obe disobedience or children of wrath. You see, Journey, our, our God is holy. And He is so holy that He's not going to just sweep sin under the rug and ignore it. Therefore, these three descriptions right out of the gate here in Ephesians chapter 2, they're blunt, they are to the point but they are with precision accuracy. You see, apart from Jesus, it's not a pretty picture. 
We're, we're held captive by those things that he's describing. We're held captive by the ways of the world, by the ruler of the air, and by our own desires and thoughts and cravings. Three chains that hold us down. Three chains that leave us in a place of spiritual death. Kent Hughes in his commentary on Ephesians writes that when it comes to our life apart from Christ, there's always room for deprovement. Not improvement, but deprovement. In other words, we can always sink lower and lower apart from Jesus. Lower than challenger deep and lower than the forces that challenger deep can exert upon us. As I read about that low point on the ocean floor this week, I learned that the first man dive to Challenger Deep in a man submersible was in 1960. And the five-inch thick plexiglass window, they had one small window. That window suffered a crack at 30,000 feet. Yet the guys kept going. You know, I wouldn't want to be the two guys on the inside of that submersible. but, But as I thought about it, you know, our very souls crack and break under the pressure of sin. There's no plexiglass thick enough to save us, to withstand that pressure. Now, Journey, you might find yourself in your own spiritual death valley. You might be feeling the weight and pressure of sin. You might feel those chains holding you down, but thanks be to God, we don't have to stay there. We're not stuck there. We have a choice to make. The chains can be broken, and thankfully, our our chapter, our verses from Ephesians don't leave us there because things get better. Because then Paul goes on to describe life. Not only death, but life with Christ and what it looks like to be spiritually alive. And this is where verse 4 takes us to a much better place. Verse 4 says, but, and my, my Bible college professor said that that word is a really big but. Get it? Big butt? Oh, man. I thought it was funny. (laughs) But, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, with that opening word of but, everything changes. In that first word, we encounter God's character when we are in Christ. And did did you notice how many times it said with Christ or in Christ or in Christ Jesus? Because a shift takes place. Paul is saying that here's where you once were apart from Christ, who you once were, what you looked like, and how you used to live, and the pressure that was exerted by sin on you and the chains that held you then, back then. And then he says, now, but God. Enter the work of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And with that one word, we move from death to life when we are with Christ. And And when we zoom in on that picture, that full-length selfie, we see a whole lot of different stuff. 
We see God's character at, at work in our life. We see great love. We see, it tells us that, he, that he's rich in mercy, riches of, of his grace, kindness of Jesus. And you know what? It doesn't get better than that. But notice where the focus lies. It's on God and not on us. See, Paul begins by telling us that, that God is the one that made us alive. It's his character, it's his nature, it's his work. You see, being a follower of Jesus, it's not just about cleaning up our life. It's not become, about becoming a nicer person. It's not about even starting new religious habits or practices or even spiritual disciplines. Those might be the byproduct of it or part of it, but they're not central focus. It's about becoming a new person with Christ, in Christ. See, going from death to life is through the working of God in our life. You know, the, the Bible records for us a conversation that Jesus had one time with a man named Nicodemus. And one night, this religious man, this aristocrat, this, this smart guy named Nicodemus comes to Jesus with a few questions, some spiritual questions. And Nicodemus had a lot of spiritual knowledge but he had not been made alive. And the conversation is recorded in John 3, and it begins there in verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And then Jesus makes a shift. He says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, Nicodemus was nobody's fool. He's a smart guy. He's educated. He was in the ruling council, so that meant he, he would have been on the elite side of their society. And he was prepared for this phil philosophical and religious exchange of ideas, and he wanted to have this discussion, but he was not prepared for what Jesus did. Because Jesus kind of cuts him off. He makes a shift, and he gets straight to the matter of the heart. And he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again if you want life in the kingdom. You must be made alive. And Nicodemus, being who he is, he asks the how question. Well, how can someone be born when they are old? And Jesus goes on to tell him later in John chapter 3 that life in the kingdom is through being born of water and the Spirit. In other words, life in the kingdom is through repentance and regeneration about being made alive in Jesus. And how can we be made alive when we are spiritually dead? Well, it's the work of God in Jesus in our life by giving our life over into his hands and meshing our life with his. So what does God do for us? Well, journey, he raises us up with Christ. Our lives become synced with his, and what God did for Jesus, it tells us, he's doing for us for, uh, as believers. Just as he took his son, Jesus the Christ, from death to life, he takes us from death to life, from our own spiritual death valley to being raised up to the heights with Jesus. And God seats us there with him. 
You know, back in chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul praised God for exalting Jesus above all powers and authorities and forces. And now he says we are seated with him in that same place of power. And as he does it, God is demonstrating his grace, the riches of his grace to us. And that journey with Christ takes us from our spiritually low point in life to a place of experiencing new life in Christ. But you know what? It doesn't even stop there. It takes us even further as we continue to look in verse 8. Because there it begins to tell us about living on mission in Christ because we are God's handiwork. Verse 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, the salvation that God gives to us, it's a gift. God's great rescue of us from the spiritual depth of our sins is by grace. Now, this is a great picture of, of this great reversal that takes place even in, the, in these 10 verses that make up Ephesians chapter 2. Because Paul describes us as dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins, and now we are alive with Christ. We are sons of disobedience, but now we are raised up with Christ. We are children of wrath, now we are seated with Christ. We are deserving wrath, now we are recipients of generous mercy, great love, rich grace, and God's kindness. You know, God's great rescue confirms that we are handmade by God. In fact, the word handiwork here in the NIV literally means that which has been made. And, and sometimes it's actually translated as the word poem. You are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece. You are custom made, custom fit, and made by hand by the Creator Himself. And each of us is a masterpiece in progress. That's what we are. You know, Journey, when we belong to God, God is working on us on a continual basis. That's why we are in progress. He's working in us from the inside out. And He does that so that He might then work through us into His world. You see, the Bible makes it clear that we are not saved by our good works or by our good looks, but we are saved for good works. We are handmade so that then we can use our hands for God's purpose and for His glory. It took the, the painter and artist Michelangelo 14 years to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Rome. But you know what? God has been working on you since your conception. And so he has plans for you, Journey. He has plans for each one of you. And you know what? He's going to continue to work on you because we are all in progress. We never arrive. We never make it. We can never check out. So God, you know what that means for you? God has never hung up on you. He's never hit the delete button or he's never, never, never canceled the order in regards to you. God wants to use you. 
So he's continued to mold us and make us into what he wants us to be because he has work for you to do. So this text in Ephesians 2, it's about moving from death to life and then on to purpose and mission. And what does that purpose and mission look like? Well, it looks like being a disciple, a follower of Jesus who makes other followers of Jesus. I love Matthew 4.19 as it describes what that looks like, where Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? It looks like you're following him, you're being changed by him on a regular basis, and you're living and committed to the mission of Jesus. And that's the purpose that all of us find in Christ. And what is that purpose? Is to be a disciple maker. Not only be a disciple yourself, but to go on and make other disciples of Jesus. That's the mission of the church, capital C. And it's also the mission of this specific church we call Journey. So more than any, anything else, more than programs or events or huge Sunday gatherings, we want to make disciple makers here at Journey. And you know what? God is inviting you into that purpose and into that promise. I'm going to invite the praise team back up this morning. You know, and this passage, this passage really reflects all of our spiritual journey. But let me ask you this morning, where are you on that spectrum? You know, if you were to open up your spiritual GPS and, and tap location, where would you land? Are you down in the spiritual death valley apart from Jesus? Are you living with Christ, but, but maybe stagnant? Or are you in progress? Are you living out your purpose in Christ as God's masterpiece? You know, Journey, we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. So it's time that we live like one. And we live like the disciple that Jesus wants us to be. So what does that next step look like for you? What does that next step in your spiritual journey look like for you? So I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. So talk to me, talk to Adam, and let's discover together what it looks like to be that masterpiece that God has created you to be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your scripture. Thank you so much for just the reminder that Ephesians 2 gives us of what life is like apart from Christ, with life, and then living on mission with you. So Father, today I just want to lift up each person here this morning and pray that, that we can step into the, this calling that you have for each of us, that we can be disciple makers here at Journey. So we pray all this in your name. Amen.